0: me this morning thank you worship team uh, Hallelujah first Peter chapter 5 uh, let me just say a few things I'd ask you to be praying uh, for remind you of Sunday school at five o'clock today if um, we made it easier for you to get to Sunday school you don't have to get up so early since you're here at this service but uh, come back at five o'clock for Sunday school I promise you, There are great benefits from that. Amen. We have a class for everybody, and um, it's worth it for you to come. We have Sunday school from 5 to 6, and we will transition back into the sanctuary at 6 for our prayer and praise meeting, and um, I promise you don't want to miss that. It's been a powerful time. Um, At 6 o'clock, I ask you to be praying for um, several people in our church right now that are just going through many trials in their life. Um, Shane Miles's dad is in the hospital with COVID, um, ask that you'd pray for Matisse's dad. He's very sick and in the hospital. Sister Debbie Harkis, uh, Jason Pugh's, um, mother and brother Jason and their family, Becky, um, they all lost their brother Weasel, um, this week. So ask that you'd be praying for them. Pray for brother Jason. He'll be ministering the graveside service on Tuesday. And um, pray for Angie Harrison. I know that she's been out and down for a while. Just keep her lifted to the Lord. If you have her number, today's her birthday. Shoot her a happy birthday and uh, tell her you're thinking about her and praying for her. Um, We went and visited Iris Cooper. We've been praying for her. And um, she's doing much better after her surgery with cancer. And um, so we just thank God for what he's doing. Amen. Had a great service this morning at 8.30 once we got rolling took a little bit, but we got going, and God met with us greatly. 1 Peter chapter 5, I'll start in verse 6, and I'll read through verses 11 if you'll stand with me to honor God's Word this morning. Um, Let's just get right to the Word, and I just believe God's going to help us. Amen. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Can I tell you what you're facing Everybody around the world is facing. You're not alone. Amen. We're not the only ones fighting hell. You're not the only one facing what you're facing. Amen. Verse 9 says, But the God of all grace, He's the God of all grace, not some, but all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, you have suffered a while, Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. You know, at times, I just ask that you would really pray for me right now. It's difficult preaching two times back to back. Um, And I know it's always different. But the enemy will try to torment your mind, you know, and say, how are you going to make this happen? And um, only by the grace of God, he's the God of all grace. So let's just pray, can we? Father, I know that you said that your word will never return void. And I just ask you, Lord, that you know my mind and my thoughts right now, God. I know that, Jesus, that you have directed this scripture to me through the week. And, God, I know that today that you want to establish your grace in our lives. And you want to help people, God, this morning. And so, Lord, just as your word says... Lord, I just ask you, Lord, that we would just resist the evil one, God, right now in Jesus' name, and that you would lift up your servant as we minister your word. And I ask you, God, that you would just help us this morning in Jesus' name. I pray that you would encourage and strengthen people in this church this morning. Amen and amen. I titled this message this morning, The Best is Yet to Come, Awakened by Grace. Awakened by Grace. Satan seeks as we suffer. Satan seeks as we suffer, looking for ways to get in and cause us to stumble and walk away. Have you ever heard the devil's voice and come to you at times of weakness, times of isolation, times of suffering in your life? That you know, isn't it just like the devil to come whenever things are quiet, whenever you feel all alone, whenever you feel all isolated? Isn't it just like the devil to come and talk to you very loudly in that moment and in seasons of your life of suffering? I believe that's why Peter records right here because I know there were times in Peter's life. Don't you know that even whenever Peter went back fishing, don't you know that on the inside of his mind, and don't you know even that the other 11 disciples were there and they heard the splashing of the water? when they went fishing don't you know that deep down Peter heard God talking to him and he heard Jesus talking to him and reminding him of Matthew 16 upon this rock I'm going to build my church and how you going to get that church built Peter when you're out there fishing and how you going to get that church built Peter whenever you get warmed around the fire and, and you deny who Jesus even is how you going to get I'm telling you it's just like the devil amen I know the devil that's sitting there and I know that Peter probably just questioned himself and Peter probably didn't really want to go fishing, but he didn't know what else to do. And and I can tell you, I know here comes the devil. He'll move right in and he'll say, look at you, Peter. He said, look at what you've already went and done. Look at you, Peter. You've already messed up now. You might as well just totally walk away. Well, let me tell you something this morning. I know that at times in my personal life, whenever I'm in times and seasons of suffering in my life, I can be in in a crowd of a thousand people and feel like I'm the only one going through what I'm going through the only one facing what I'm facing in my mind. I can be around a thousand people and feel like I'm there all alone. I can feel lonely. I can feel anxious. I can feel depressed. I'm talking to somebody this morning that is probably right there right now in your own life. Amen. You see whenever we're going through times and seasons of suffering Satan gets very loud. Amen. The Bible says and Peter said he said to be sober to be vigilant because you're at adversary, the devil. Can I tell you, it's not just my adversary, but he's yours too. Amen. And he's got an assignment after your life. He is a devil. Amen. And he's good at being a devil. Amen. He's very loud. Can I tell you, he is as a lion, but he's not a lion. He's a liar and he's the father of all lies. He's a lion that don't have any teeth. He can only get loud in your times and seasons of suffering. But I thank God that I serve the line of the tribe of Judah and that line is very loud and that line has teeth and when we're facing times of suffering when we're facing times of trials and troubles the line of the tribe of Judah will get louder than our adversary the line that don't have any teeth there's no substance in the devil all he can do in the season of suffering in our life is get loud and say walk away now and he tempts us In seasons of suffering, to resign, to quit, to walk away. My wife will tell you if there's a quitter in this church, it's me. Every time. I believe she told me that this week. You're always ready to quit. You're right, I am. Amen. But I'm still here. Amen. I'm always ready to quit. It's my nature, but I'm still here. I showed up today. Watch out, devil. Amen. I might be ready to quit before this service is over. Watch out, devil. Amen. 830 this morning, I didn't feel God. I was ready to quit. I was discouraged. I felt all alone. But you know what? God showed up. Amen. God will always show up. You may feel like quitting, and that devil said, why don't you? Right now is a good time. You're exactly right. I start, I, if I'm not careful, I'll start believing him. Yeah. Huh. You're right. It is a pretty good time. Right now is a good time to quit. Right now is a good time to walk away. Amen, right now is a good time. Let's just, let's resign. Let's do this, let's do that. And I'm not just talking about church. I'm just saying in general. Amen. I'm just saying in general. You can relay that to anything in your life. Your job, your marriage, your children. Resign from them, can you? You can't, can you? You ever feel like quit being a parent sometimes? Amen. Children, you ever feel like quit being a son? No? Thank God. He's the only one in here. Amen. You can't be. Abby, you ever tired of being a daughter sometimes to David and Leah? Woo! (laughs) You can't walk away, can you? Nope. You're stuck. (laughs) You know, but sometimes the devil will make it look very good. I said he makes deals with us. He, He says he makes good deals with us. He said get out of jail free. I told him this morning it's just Monopoly money, though. You better watch out. There's eternal consequences to that. Amen? Amen. You're not playing Monopoly whenever you're talking about the kingdom of God. Amen? And you may get out of jail free there. Amen? But you won't get out free in the kingdom of God. Amen? There are eternal consequences. Brother Clendon has said, I think I quit every Sunday, but I showed back up Monday morning. Amen? There may be quit in you, but the grace of God worketh in you to a far greater and measure weight of glory than anything else. Amen? I know there's a lot of times. we want to stop. I'm talking about seasons of suffering. Amen. Can I tell you, suffering is a design plan of God. But we don't want to talk about it. I asked this morning, one hand went up. Anybody here like suffering? (laughs) I don't. A lot of times when you're going through suffering, you don't even know what you're going through. I just know I'm out of sorts. I'm just discombobulated. I don't even know what's going on, but something in my life just isn't right. I don't feel right. I don't feel good. I don't feel God. I don't feel you. I don't feel loved. I don't feel like I can love. I don't feel God's love. I don't hear God's voice. I try to read God's word and I don't get nothing out of it. Anybody ever been there? Feel like when I pray, the heavens are brass and everything just falls back to the ground? It can be discouraging. And Satan said, see there, it's all false. It's not worth it. It's all fake. It's not worth it. Look at what what God makes you walk through. It ain't worth it. Just walk away. Just walk away right now. And so the devil starts to bargain with us in seasons of suffering. Satan seeks as we suffer. We have to know that. Why, why do you have to be very careful? You have to know, and I have to know me. I, and I have to tell you who I am and what I'm capable of. You know, sometimes it's, it's, it's best, you know, especially in times when, when you're, you're all out of sorts, don't make a rash decision then. Because you're going to make the wrong one. You have to understand that Satan comes, and Satan is trying to get us to do things and make decisions in our seasons of suffering. Because seasons of suffering are bound to happen. It is the will of God. We're going to look at this. The word suffering means to be affected by something from without. You ever felt like Paul said, I've been hard pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. Amen. What was he saying? Everything on the outside of of me is coming against me. You ever felt like that? Now listen to this. How about when everything from within come against you? If you've never came, been came at from within, then let me just keep walking with God a little bit longer. You know, I was reading this past week and I was reading where David came and God used David in Saul's life. He's demon possessed. David came and he would begin to worship and what would happen to the demons in Saul's life? They would flee. Saul gave David his daughter to Mary. Mary. The Bible says that David became and found favor in Saul's eyes and he became his armor bearer. You know what I heard God say to me? And right after that, what did Saul begin to do to David? He tried to throw spears in him. I said, isn't it just like a devil? Somebody, you find favor in their life, you become family to them, you become their armor bearer, you fight for them. David fought for Saul. Whew. David fought for Saul. Whenever he would worship over Saul, demons would leave him. He fought for him. And then here that, here that devil is, that's Saul. Now he's going to kill him. Sometimes suffering comes from within, not only without. The very ones you fight the hardest for, the very ones that you've seen demons flee, the very ones that you're an armor bearer and you protected them, the very ones you married into their family, your family, your friends, those you fight for will be the very ones that turn their back on you and try to put a spear in your back. Suffering happens That is real life Those things happen Jealousy comes People will turn against you People you fought for If somebody you fought for hadn't turned against you Just keep walking with God It'll happen Amen It happens Affected by something from without or within To undergo an experience And usually not a good one Used of evil Be subject to evil To be inflicted with or oppressed. Anybody ever been there? To be afflicted or oppressed. I didn't say possessed. I said oppressed. Amen. Oppressed by the evil one. Amen. I've shared this. I I tell you, you go on a mission trip and you come back. You, You leave and not be right with God you go wage war with the devil. The last time two years ago we came back, we had never faced the witches and and the witch doctors like we did the last time we went to Columbia. Amen. But I know this. The last time we came back, there was sickness that hit our bus. Every time we'd go to that village in Oliah, sickness hit that bus. People were sick. Said, I hadn't been sick in 20 and 25 years. They became sick. They became, I mean, there were such demonic things that were going on. I believe one guy almost died on the back of that bus. God raised him from whatever God did for him. Raised him from the dead. God brought healing to his life, whatever. But I can tell you I came back and I was so oppressed by the evil one. The enemy wanted to take my life. And I sat in our bedroom floor with a knife. The devil said you'd be better off dead. Oppressed from the evil one. I wasn't possessed. But the devil will convince your mind nobody cares about you anyway. You'll be better off dead. Two weeks from our camp meeting, people coming from all around the world here. And wouldn't it be just like a devil to say nobody understands what you're facing? I believe wholeheartedly that whenever you come in contact with wicked ones and evil ones and witches and witch doctors, they'll put spells on you. They'll begin to rebuke you and come against you. As a matter of fact, people have reached out to me this week. Their brother went to Mexico and began to deal with black magic. And I can tell you, they they don't even know what's going on. Amen. Their brother has begun to cast spells on them. They have begun to be tormented. They can't even go to work. And they're reaching out and asking for help right now. How do we get through this? How are we going to get free from this? I thank God. Amen. That there's a place that people can come when the evil one torments. When people... People are dealing in black magic and people know where to call. Not everybody's willing to deal with the dark side, but there's gotta be somewhere that does, amen. Can I tell you I jump up and down about it? No, 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 but I just know the side of the darkness and the side of the evil one. I believe sometimes we walk through some things so that our eyes can be open from the blinders, amen. Sometimes you gotta sit in your bedroom and you gotta know the lies of the devil and know that if the devil could take you out, oh he would love to do it but I thank God that the God of all grace is even there even when you're oppressed even when you're depressed even when Satan is breathing down your ear and down your neck saying now just do this just do that can I tell you that our God is greater than all of that he's the God of all grace (laughs) hallelujah he's the God of all grace to be subject to evil to be inflicted with or oppressed To be afflicted or vexed. To be inflicted with harm. Why do so many people cut themselves? To inflict harm on themselves. They hide it because they're eat up with so much pain and they'll hide it. But they inflict pain on themselves because they're hurting on the inside and they don't know how to get free. The Bible says in Psalm 34 chapter 19, Many. Are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them, some of them. No, <laughs> that ain't what the word says. Here's what the Bible goes on to say Psalm 34 19. Now, somebody help me right here. Many are the afflictions. Of the lost. No, it didn't say that either, did it? It said those that are righteous, the church, you and I, those that have been blood washed. Amen. Those that have been white as snow now. Amen. Those that are saved, those that have been filled with the Holy Ghost, those that stand in pulpits, and those that don't. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. That tells me what you're going through. Just hold on a little bit longer because deliverance is right around the corner. Amen. Man, we can't give up in the middle of our seasons of suffering we gotta trust God because our God delivers us out of them all 2 yeah. Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17 says for our light affliction some of us say well it don't feel light to me it feels very heavy right. <laughs> amen Paul's writing this Paul knows about affliction. I mean, Paul gets born again, and Jesus tells him, I'm going to show you what you got to suffer for me, big boy. <laughs> Amen. I mean, that's his first words at the altar. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> that's his first words, Jesus introducing him to the faith. I'm going to show you what you got to suffer, Paul. Saul. Amen. Boy, woo, yeah, let me get right on in this gospel. <laughs> <laughs> the gospel of suffering. That's what I choose. No, you didn't, but he chose you for it. <laughs> amen I tell you what if we start giving altar calls like that we'd probably find out where the true church really is see we just give somebody three points what to say and we call them converted come on somebody we dunk them on water and we make them believe everything's alright but when suffering comes we find out what's really in that heart that's why we have to be there and help people in the beginning because suffering will come Suffering is a part of salvation. None of us like it and we don't want to walk through it. None of us do. But our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, they seem like a lifetime. But to God they're but for a moment. Amen. Worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not to that things that are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Can I tell you, even every trial, every tri- tribulation, every ounce of suffering that you walk through is even working for your good. <laughs> Everything. And the devil comes at us and he tempts us to try to lure us out of this because what, can I tell you what God is doing? God is working something far greater for us. Don't look at your circumstances and situations that you see right now with your natural eye. Don't look at that. Look to what is unseen. God, I see. Here's what happened when Peter stepped out of the boat. He began to look around him at his circumstances and situations. He said he saw the wind and the waves. How do you see wind? You can't. You feel the wind. But you can't see the wind. You see, fear will cause you to see things that aren't even there. Fear will cause you to see things that aren't even there. Fear, false evidence appearing real. You'll begin to focus on things that aren't even there. That's the agenda of the enemy. And so when he began to see something that wasn't even there, then he began to sink. That's what happens every time. Amen, fear. And so he was looking to those things which are seen, but he said, don't do that. Look at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So can I tell you your circumstances that you're walking through right now, they're temporal. But what God is doing in you is eternal. God is strengthening us and he's getting us ready. So even your suffering and even your trials are working for you a far greater weight of glory. Romans 8.18. I'm going to read a lot of scripture here this morning before we get to the word. Romans 8.18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hallelujah. The sufferings that you're walking through right now has nothing in comparison to the glory of God that is going to be in you. So if glory's gonna be in you, if Christ's identity is going to be in you, then how's it gonna come when everything is easy? No, I can tell you how Christ is going to be formed on the inside of you is through our sufferings. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Revealed in us, You know what he's saying? He said, don't even give that credit what you feel right now. Don't even give that credit what you're facing right now. He said, because what you're facing in this present time, they're not even worthy to be compared to what God's about to reveal on the inside of you to the world. Amen. I'm telling you, church, we have to hold on just a little bit longer. It is worth it. Amen. Now go with me to verse 35. Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're walking through. But I know God sent me to this house today to say to you and I that we're more than conquerors. Whatever you're walking through right now, not a devil in hell, nothing on this earth, nothing that you're facing in this world, no trial, no tribulation can separate you and I from the love of God. God sees what you're walking through. God's got his hand upon us in the middle of this trial, in the middle of this trouble. God's got his hand upon you and I. And let me tell you, he's the God of all grace. You may not think that you can face it. You may not think that you can walk through it faithfully. But I'm telling you that our God has his hand upon you in the middle of it. And if he's got his hand upon you in the middle of it, then I promise promise you he's faithful to bring you through it to the other side. And when you get through to the other side, the Bible says that we shall be conformed into the image of his son, Christ Jesus. That is the greatest scripture in the whole word of God to me. Let me come out of this trial looking a little bit more like Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me look more like Jesus. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 Y'all just bear with me a few minutes. I want to make sure we get all these scriptures in. Philippians 1, 29. Hallelujah. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So there's two parts to this salvation. I believe, but now I suffer. (laughs) Suffer produces sanctification. Amen. Amen. Suffering produces sanctification. Sanctification produces Christ and his life in me. Christ in me is what? The hope of glory. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. You mean to tell me that when I suffer that there's fellowship there? Let me tell you, there's such pure fellowship there that you'll never know on the mountaintop. I said there's fellowship in his sufferings and in the valley times that you'll never know. You'll never know on the mountaintop. I wonder what kind of conversation Jesus and Simon of Siren had when Simon helped him bear his cross. I wonder what Jesus looked at Simon and said. I guarantee you this, nobody else heard it. Nobody else heard that conversation. It was one-on-one. Simon was helping Jesus bear that cross. Don't you know Jesus looked at Simon, said, Thank you, Simon, for having fellowship with me in my suffering. Nobody else would do it. My best friends, Peter, James, and John, they wouldn't even stay awake and pray. I know that there was times there that Simon of Siren and Jesus had fellowship and suffering that nobody else had. And there's times that you're going to carry your cross and you're going to be so broken and there's nobody else that's going to understand what you're walking. You're not going to be able to talk to somebody else, but oh, Jesus will be there. Oh, Jesus will be there in that trial. Jesus will be there in that time and that season and that tribulation. Jesus will be there for you. And you're going to look to Jesus and he's going to look back to you and say, thank God that we can have this conversation in suffering. I had to get you here so that I could talk to you. I had to get you here, Brother Chris, so I could talk to you. There's no other way I could deal with this in your life but through suffering. Through this season of suffering, now we have fellowship in suffering. We have fellowship. We have relationships. I couldn't talk to you because everybody else was louder than me. (laughs) I couldn't talk to you there. Everybody was louder than me. You were listening to everybody else's voice, but now I got you where I need you. Now I can talk to you. Now I can talk to you. Because very few people want to suffer, but in suffering we're on the same level as Jesus. Because the Bible said he learned obedience through what? The things that he suffered And so he teaches us obedience through times and seasons of suffering, amen. Again, I know none of us like that, but there's times and there's conversation and there's fellowship that can only come through seasons of suffering. Those times and those trials that you know, my God, how did I make it through that? And you look back and you say, only God, only God brought me through that. Back to 1 Peter chapter 3, y'all still with me? I'm trying to hurry this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 14 But and if you suffer for righteous sake happy are you and be not afraid of their terror neither be troubled Can I tell you that we can rejoice to suffer for Jesus I know somebody like me, there was a lot of things and a lot of suffering in my life because consequences of sin. I suffered a lot because of sin, and so did you. And You were willing to go through anything and suffer whatever you had to suffer. I know some people that are right with God today, but they totally walked away and abandoned their kids because addiction was more important. So that's suffering for sin. That's just one thing. I'm just using that because some of us can relate to that. That's suffering for sin. But now we've been accounted worthy to suffer for Christ. But here's what happens to many of us. Boy, now that we have to suffer a little bit for Jesus, we forget all the suffering for the sin that we did. But he's accounted us worthy. But now that I'm serving God, and now the honeymoon stage is over of my salvation, and a little suffering comes, I forget about everything, all the hell that I went through for sin. Now I get mad at God, and the devil says, just go back. See, it really wasn't that bad in Egypt. <laughs> it really wasn't that bad back there. You forget everything that you suffered because he's blinded your eyes. And so now you just easily give in and you go back. Well, now you ain't seen suffering yet because now seven more demons worse than the were at first are now there. And so guess what God does? He's a, he's a loving father. So he says, well, if that's what you want, then go. You want Egypt, then go. I want you to get in the promised land. I want you to walk in the fullness of life. But if that's what you want, then go. See, we, it's very easy for us to forget the sufferings of sin in our life. We forget that when suffering for Christ comes. But we can't forget that. Let the tape play all the way through and let God remind you of how it really was. Let God remind you of how bad it really was and be willing to suffer for Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Can I tell you, suffering will purge you of your fleshliness and will cause you to live in the perfect will of God. Some things can't deal with the flesh like suffering can. <laughs> suffering will purge you of that fleshly nature. Amen. I'm trying to help somebody this morning. So let's jump back to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. It says this, this scripture was burned in my mind this week. It's all I could hear. Because I know, I know that many of us in this church are facing trials and suffering and things in our life. I know that. I know that. But man, this scripture just leapt at me this week. This is a promise of God. And I felt like it was a prophecy over this house. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after, somebody say after, But let me tell you, that word after don't just mean when you get through the trial. It means even in the middle of. Listen to this. Even in the middle of, it means almost brief. It means somewhat. It means few. It means little. It means a season. It means small. It means a degree or even an intensity of degree. Can I tell you that in God's eyes, what we may feel like seems like a lifetime is only a short minute in God's eyes. You know what he's doing? Every time that God ever gave this church a new piece of property or God did anything that would expand the kingdom of God here, can I tell you it never came without walking through a trial first? There would always be a trial, and I would always get to my breaking point, and I would say, God, I don't know if I can make it through this. God, I don't like people building false Facebook accounts against me and my wife. And trial after trial after trial, and you would get to this point, you would say, I'm ready to quit. We had one meeting, and I was going to walk away, and Carrie grabbed my shirt. She said, sit back down. I was ready to walk away because they were saying lies about me and my family that I didn't like. I had a right to walk away. But if you stay, you have a right to more of my kingdom. You do have a right to walk away. You do have a right to quit. It is hard. You're right. And when people start talking bad about you and trashing your name, you do have a right to defend yourself and do something about it. I did have a right to hire a lawyer because it would have been given to us for free. We had a right to do all of that, but not when God talks. Not when God said, if you hire a lawyer, I'll pull my hand off of it. Not when God says, I've got something greater. There's a greater glory for you. You better not move anywhere. Surely you can go find another church to pastor. Surely somebody else will love you, and you won't have to go through all the things. Surely all that will happen, but is that for the greater glory of God? You see, some of us never make it to the greater glory of God because we quit just shy of what God wants to do. We all do that. We have a tendency to do that. And so God says, after that, after your season of suffering, what may seem like a lifetime to some of us, it's only a short time in the eyes of God. But God has to know if He can trust us next. God needs to know if He can trust us in our next. And if He can't trust us in our now, then He can't trust us in our next. You see, what God would always do was bring me through a trial or a, or a fire in my life and I would say, God, I don't know if I can make it through this. I don't know if I can take anymore. I just want to stop. And God said, but just keep going. And then it's almost like as you walked outside this morning, the sky was blue, the sun was shining, but guess what? There were still effects of all the rain we had yesterday. You really can't see our dog. Oh, but I about forgot about all that because I seen the blue sky, Brother David. I didn't feel the wind blow. I saw the sun shining and today I walked outside and it was like a new day. I felt the glory of God. And can I tell you a lot of times in your life all you can do is feel the presence of the enemy. I feel darkness, I feel the wicked one. I feel the evil one. but it was just like today I walked outside and it's like a new day. It's a new season. Can I tell you some of you are going to walk out of one season into the next today in your life? You're not even going to know that it's happening. All I know is yesterday, I was ready to give up and quit. But I woke up today, and I found that God's mercies were new today. And I walked out of that old season into the next season of my life. And now I walk right in to the glory of God. And God said, now I know that I can trust you. You see, if God can't trust us to walk through the fire, he can't trust us in the next level of glory. He wants to be able to trust us. He wants us to be stewards of revival. He wants this church to be a steward of the seed that's been given from the Holy Ghost. You see, Joseph and Mary were stewards of the seed that was given supernaturally. They almost ruined it. He almost walked away. Mary almost said, I don't know about this. I just know that the angel of the Lord came to us and said, Don't you move. You see, they were entrusted to be stewards of a supernatural seed. GFCC, we have been entrusted to be stewards of a supernatural seed that you can't explain. Some of us, we want to walk away because it don't make sense. Some of us may say, oh, a baby of the Holy Ghost is in you, why don't you abort that? Why don't you start all over with a natural seed from Joseph? That makes more sense to us. Imagine if Mary would have had an abortion. I preached a message that one time. What if Mary, the mother of Jesus, would have had an abortion? What if the Savior of the world would have not have been born to save us from sin? So many times we abort spiritual life. Because it's supernatural and we don't understand it. And we abort it instead of letting it live. God has entrusted us to be stewards of a supernatural seed. And here's what he goes on to say after. The first thing that he'll do is after your season of suffering, he will perfect. He will perfect his will. He said, after a while, I will make you perfect, establish, strengthen, And settle you. I looked up this word perfect in the Greek. And it means to render. It means to fit. It means to mend what has been broken. I wonder if there's anybody that's broken here this morning. Can I tell you sometimes you have to go through some things. So that God can rend what has been broken. Amen. Can I tell you this. Sometimes through seasons of suffering. You quit trying to fix yourself. And God begins to fix you. Because your life is so out of control, the only thing that you know to do is just throw it all into God's hands. Like he said, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. All right, God, here's my life. Here's my life. There's a piece here. There's a piece here. There's a piece over here. God, my life is a mess. And you say, I'm I'm tired of trying to fix it. I'm tired of trying to fix it on my own. And so you just say, God, here it is. I just give it to you. And if God, if you're going to do anything, I'm not going to do anything but just lay it at the altar. And God, now it's up to you to put the pieces back together. Can I tell you, God can do that. God can do that. If he sent a prophet, Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 37 to breathe breath and to dry bones and they came back together, then God can cause anything to come together. God can cause anything if we'll just cast our cares upon him. So the first thing that he does is he perfects. Our life, he perfects, he sees our suffering. He sees we're ready to give up. He knows all of that and He still, his grace is there. Come on, I got you. So now he's going to perfect our life. Listen to this, it means to repair. It means to com- be complete and I love this one. It means to put in order or to arrange or to make one what he ought to be. <laughs> to make one what he ought to be. Can I tell you that God chose Joseph and he gave him favor and he gave him, his father gave him the coat of many colors, but can I tell you his character was not prepared to carry the coat of many colors? Can I tell you that his life was not prepared yet? And so God said, I'm going to put Joseph through some things in his life to build character on the inside of him. And so what came first? The pit came first. Amen. Some of you showed up to this church this morning, and you found yourself in a dry, dark, dirty pit. Can I tell you, God still loved Joseph enough, even though he found himself in a pit. God said, I love him enough that I'm going to awaken something on the inside of Judah, and Judah's going to feel my presence." At that table, and he's gonna say, Brothers, we can't leave him there. Now we're gonna set something up to make our daddy think that he's dead. But can I tell you that when Joseph was down in that pit, the heart of Judah began to be stirred to go pull his brother out of that pit? Amen. And you may be here today. One of the agendas of the devil is to make you, when you don't feel like worshiping, when you're in the middle of, of suffering, when you're in seasons of trials and troubles and tribulations in your life, The last thing you want to do is to come into the house of God and find your way to an altar. The devil says, who do you think you are to lift up your hands? Get your hands down. Well, I came by to tell somebody today in your seasons of suffering, it's time that praise comes by. Somebody lift their hands to heaven and let God send praise to pull you out of the pit. I don't know what you're facing today, but somebody needs to stand right now and lift up your hands. And just praise God Hallelujah Praise pulls out of the pit Praise pulls out of the pit Always Praise will pull you out of darkness The Bible said it was a dry pit <laughs> You been in a dry dark place Praise will pull you out Amen They thought they would starve Joseph out But I can tell you God was still dealing Even with Judah God will always deal with Praise God will always honor praise. Every time. I don't feel like worshiping God. He didn't ask you if you felt like it. He's worthy to. Amen. He's worthy. He's making Joseph into what he ought to be. Why, was he ha- why did he have to do that? Because there would come a day in Joseph's lives that Joseph brothers would come before him and they would be the provider of that. And if Joseph's character was not in a place to take care of them, he would have killed them. Whew. He would have killed them because of what they did to him. Surely he would have killed them. Because, and he could have. And guess what? He probably would have been right doing it. <laughs> you know everything that I had to go through because of what you started? You see, a lot of us hold on to our right to be right. And you may have a right doing what you're doing. But can I tell you, you can do the right thing the wrong way. we got to do the right thing the right way. And so Joseph is now before his brother's. They didn't know who he was. He could have killed them. Nobody would have never known. So God has to make us what we ought to be. Some of us aren't ready for the next place of glory that God has for us. So God knows what we can be trusted with and what we can't be trusted with. Some people God can give a million dollars to. Some people God can't because we're not ready to be trusted with that. And so he gives us $100. Amen. God, don't, you don't just walk in and grab a pulpit one day. You can. But is your character ready? Preachers are a dime a dozen. Amen. But I'm telling you, when God builds character, God strengthens us. Amen. When I say that, when I say that, there's people with a great gift. You can have a gift and not even be right with God. God loves us enough to still break through and use the gift. Amen. You can have a gift. You can preach. We can sing. Worship leaders, they're, they're all over the place. But it's character right. And when I say character, because people's going to turn their back on you. Can we still preach then? Can we still lead right when our heart gets broke right before service? Can we still preach right or are we going to react in our flesh? Can we still love right? Do we still worship right, Brother Russell, if our heart isn't right? Because people, you can get, people can get on this platform and play. They can But the devil moves in worship just as much as he moves in anywhere. Amen, he does. And so what does he do? I shared this Wednesday night. I was at Dunklin' for five years. Never had a pulpit. Never. Why? Because my character wasn't ready. I moved back to Bonifay, didn't have a church. Why? Because my character wasn't ready. Amen, God's preparing. Can I tell you, God prepares. God's bringing us to the next level of glory. Amen. And you're going to wake up one day and you're just going to walk right through. And there it's going to be. Wow. And you're going to say, my God, look at this glory. And God said, yeah, see that? I had it waiting on you the whole time. I just wanted to know if I could trust you in the season of suffering before I gave you this level of glory. Amen. He was making Joseph. A lot of us would say, boy, howdy. I thank God that Joseph acted in a godly manner in the pit. In Potiphar's house, in the prison. Think about it. What if he would have acted in an ungodly manner? He could have. He could have turned and rebuked Potiphar's wife, but instead he just said, you can have my coat if that's what you want. My brother's done took one coat off of me. You can surely have this one. (laughs) Amen. Then he had to wear a prison garment. Think about that. But there was coming a day that he was going to be asked to come sit in the palace. And if he couldn't be trusted in the pit, At Potiphar's house, well, he could have gave in to Potiphar's wife. But instead, he fled. Amen. Can you be trusted in Potiphar's house? You see, character has to be there when nobody's watching. What are we? You see, God was making Joseph what he ought to be. He just wasn't ready to be there yet. So God completes us. God puts things in order. God arranges. God mends what has been broken. And he begins to repair and to fit things in the rightful place. God sent Joseph through the pit, through Potiphar's house, through prison, because there was coming a day that Joseph was going to be called out to be set in charge, to be the provision for his brothers. The second thing God does is He establishes. The word establish means to make stable, to place firmly, to fix, to render constant, to be immovable, to be solid, to be sure, and to be steadfast. Romans chapter 5 speaks of this. Romans chapter 5 verse 3 says, And not only so we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience. How many really like that? You ever pray for patience? I quit doing that. I don't want it that bad. (laughs) Have you ever known if you get in a hurry, you rush the hand of God? We broke ground on this new church four years ago. And we didn't see nothing happen but one little shovel full of dirt. Just now, four years later, God had to get a lot of things in place. I said God had to get a lot of things in place. Some of you weren't here four years ago when we broke ground. But some of you have been the very ones that God has used to sow into that to make this building come what it is. If we had rushed God, we'd have been to the bank, it could have already been built. We'd have $1.5 million debt hanging over our head. Beautiful church. But what if you don't have the people to pay the debt? What would happen then? Because it's not about building the building. It's about building the body. It's about building the body. And if we're not right, then what good is it to have a beautiful building when the body of Christ is divided and can't take care of what God has given? So God has to work in us for a greater glory. And so God has taught us patience through this. These these brothers, they, they dug the footers real deep before they went up on it. They dug real deep. The very next day after digging the footers and putting the forms in, 18 inches of rain came. <laughs> well, that's not what you want. David prayed at our, at our meeting the day before, and we had communion. He said, y'all pray for two weeks drought. Amen. We did. <laughs> we knew what the weather said. Well, 18 inches of rain the next day. Water was gushing out. Of them footers that they dug. Gush it now. Patience. Patience was working things in these guys. God was teaching. God was learning. God was showing. Amen. They wanted to throw a fit some days, but God was still trusting them. Amen. Just keep digging. Keep plowing. God was establishing something. Amen. Romans chapter 5, I said, and and knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience, and experience hope. Today we can sit here and stand on hope, amen? Verse 5, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Right at that moment you were ready to give up, Jesus says, hold on a little bit longer, here I am. I died for you, Amen. So not only on the other side and the sea of the season of our suffering, not only does God perfect, but God also brings establishment to our life, Amen. Can I tell you that God knows we're not ready for some things because our foundation isn't sure on this side of things, Amen. And so what shores up our foundation? Can I tell you, suffering does that. Suffering does that. But we have to be taught this. There has to be seasons, Amen. He said after that, aren't you thankful that after suffering that there's still hope? That the God of all grace is there to make us stable, to plant us firmly, to fix our lives and to render us constant. He wants to make us immovable. Can I tell you that a lot of things just come into life. This life with Jesus will cause all kind of turmoil in our life. You may be walking right one day and all of a sudden here comes an enemy, boom, boom just to push you over, can I tell you all it takes is one phone call for you to get to say your son has just totaled out his car can I get all it takes is one phone call for somebody to say can you believe so and so just passed away you go to a doctor's visit and the doctor tells you that you've got cancer can I tell you all it takes is one doctor's appointment, all it takes is one phone call, all it takes is one visit from death for you to be moved but can I tell you seasons of suffering establish something firm on the inside of us to make us immovable it makes us immovable so whatever it is that you're facing right now in your life God is using it well I haven't seen the answers I want yet because God's doing something deeper in you well my children aren't saved yet because God's teaching you first well my marriage isn't right yet God's trying to teach something Well, the church isn't what I want it to be yet because God's teaching something. You see, we want things on our time, but God knows his time is much greater because in the seasons of suffering, he said, I'm fixing to do something greater. God's going to do something greater. The third thing that he says, he said, I will strengthen. How many of you just need times of strengthening? (laughs) I just need strength. The enemy has come to wear out the saints of God, but our God said, on the other side of your season of suffering, Not only am I going to perfect you, not only am I going to establish you, but I'm going to give you strength. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. Y'all bear with me just a few more minutes. Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 16. Paul's praying for the Ephesians. and He says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Can I tell you God's after that inner man? God knows it's the inner man that fails. It's that soulless man. The spirit man is perfect already. It's the seed of Christ in you. But there's a soulless man that's very weak, very wounded, very hurt, mind, will, and our emotions. And can I tell you, that's where Satan comes to tempt and to attract us and to draw us away. Have you ever known that the church, we can be very soulless? How many of y'all love worship music? You can be moved by the worship music, can't you? But how many of you know you can leave a church service and be moved by worship music? And be say, boy, that was sure some fine anointed singing. You get in your car and you can have on 96.9, just say, the oldies. But that moved you too. So is that anointed because it moved you? No, it's not anointed. See, we've become shallow because our soul's moved. We call it anointing. No, that soul man is just moved because it touches my emotions. It's just touching my emotions. And the church has become very shallow and we deal with nothing but the soul. And so God is after to heal our soul, man. What did David say in Psalm 51? He restores my what? My soul. He restores my soul. Amen. Psalm 23, he restores my soul. He's after our soul. He's after to restore it. Why, Why did David say that? Because that soul had been a mess. Amen. That soul had been a mess. And so listen, here's what he's after, that inner man to be strengthened with might in the spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. Can I tell you that times and seasons of suffering, God is working a far more exceeding weight of glory on the inside of us. You can't even begin to fathom what God is doing on the inside of us. Amen. But we have to walk through seasons of suffering in our life. Psalm chapter 105 verse 18 speaks of a man by the name of Joseph that we talked about earlier. Amen. And here's what the scripture says here. Psalm 105 Verse 18, it said, "'Whose feet they hurt with fetters, he was laid in iron.'" Amen. Can I tell you what that scripture points to? It said iron became in Joseph's soul. Can I tell you that Joseph, whenever he went through everything that he went through, it was something like strength came to this man of God. You see, God knew that he was not ready to be used. Amen. To be favored, to be to have the authority, to be able to take care of his family. And so God allowed Joseph to go through the pit, to go through the trials, and to go in prison. And the Bible said there that... His feet were fitted with fetters. They had him tied down. But can I tell you in the middle of that trial, can I tell you God was working something far greater in the soul of that man. He was strengthening that man's soul. Amen. And the Bible says there, it was like iron came in his soul. That probably tells me that he was pretty flimsy before, Brother Chris. But now God said, I'm going to put him somewhere where I can deal with his heart, where I can strengthen his soul. And now it's like iron that is in his soul amen that tells me you ever seen somebody that's got a rod in their back they say well I can't bend over why because they got iron in that backbone now can I tell you now Joseph isn't going to waver anymore brother now he's been tied down in a prison cell but while he was tied down God was working something far greater in his inner man sister Tammy God had his hand upon him God wasn't done with him although the world would have said that his God had abandoned him oh you just wait because the king of Egypt is about to call him out and when he comes out the other side he's going to have iron in his soul now brother. He's going to walk differently than he did when he went down in that pit. Now there's iron. Now I stand up straight. I'm not wavered by the trials of this life. I'm not swayed by it. I'm immovable. God's perfected his work on the inside of me. Somebody get a hold of this today. You're coming out different than you went in. Woo. Coming out different than you went in. It was iron in the soul. Iron in his soul. I'd never paid attention to that scripture. I shared that this morning. I'd preached at Pastor Lee's church a few times prior, and I felt like it was probably pretty flaky. And um, one time God gave me a word, and I knew it was prophetic because Pastor Lee and them had just went through the trial of their life. His brother-in-law had just left him. His sister had left him. His mom walked away from him. And they sent letters out to hundreds of ministers, everybody that ever preached in that church, and said that he was preaching a false doctrine, that he was a heresy, heretic, all kind of things. I was the first one to get a letter. I immediately called Lee. And I said, I just got a letter about you. And I said, do I have permission to call this guy? Because I'd walk through something sort of that, not my family. But of people I felt like family. So I called Randy. Long story short, it was right after that, God gave me a prophetic word for that house. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I was scared to death. God gave me the, the scriptures, dig ditches. You won't see wind, you won't see rain, but I'll fill them. And there was an enemy that came. And it looked like blood because the sun shone perfectly on the water. And when their enemy came up to the ditches filled with water, they saw Red. And they thought that it was blood. And they said, oh, surely those people have killed our men. And they took off running. You see, sometimes you don't know how God is going to deal with your enemy. But he just gives you a shovel in your hand. He says, dig a ditch. You don't know what God's going to do the other side of that. He said, just dig a ditch. He said, don't look for the wind. Don't look for the rain because that's not how I'm going to do this. I just need you to dig a ditch. You see, a lot of us don't want to dig ditches, so therefore our enemy comes and defeats us because we don't understand the process of God. But God said, just dig a ditch and I'll fill it. You won't see wind. You won't see rain. It'll come from the way of Edom. It could have came a thousand other ways but the way of Edom. (laughs) But God knows. God knows. And so I remember preaching that and I remember just falling on my face in the altar. Robin and Caleb Shear, they're precious people. They've almost lost their daughters. They sat on the side of the road, and both of them kids and her legs were broken in two. And, I mean, they were just there, and her legs were almost cut all the way off. And their little girl, Mia, began to worship God and sing praises as she was looking at her sister just dying next to her. She was singing amazing grace and how great is our God. And, little sheer girl was about to die. Her legs was pinned underneath that car. But God performed a miracle in their life. And I just admire Robin and Caleb. And she came up to me and she said, I don't know what changed. She said, but there's iron in your soul now, Jared. She said, you will never go back to what you once were. What she didn't know was... I just went through one of the trials of my life. People that I love dearly, a grandmother in this church, had just stood in my office and said, we're going to another church. And I said, God, how? People that I love dearly began to walk away one by one and go to another church, and my soul was vexed. I wanted to stop it. I wanted to stop the pain. But God said, I'm doing something. I'm doing something. I said, God, it don't feel like you're doing anything but taking people away from me. He said, I'm taking people away, but I'm adding to. He wasn't adding to this church, he was adding to me. Because you never want to lose anybody. She said, I don't know what you've been through. I said, Oh, but I do. Oh, but I do. If it was all worth it to hear those words in that altar, there's iron in your soul now. There's iron in your soul. She wasn't saying that I was special. She said you've been faithful through sufferings, a season of suffering. And I can tell you this. You know people that's been through seasons of suffering in their life because their life will be different. Won't be shallow because in seasons like this, you can't stay shallow. You have to trust God because there's a fellowship that comes through Suffering. There's fellowship that comes, Sister Stacy, when there's nobody there but you and Jesus. When they did all that stuff on Facebook about me and Carrie, and God brought me to a place in my life early on, and I thank God for it. God asked me this question because I didn't know if even my wife believed it. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't. It caught me off guard. I just knew this I wanted to bury my head, I wanted to die. I did. I wanted to die. I said, people will never look at me the same again. And you're right about that. People will never look at you the same. Some people still have that in the back of their mind. But some people see a greater glory. (laughs) People will never be able to look at you whenever you walk with God through times and seasons of suffering. They'll never be able to look at you the same. (laughs) Because they won't see you. They'll see Him. They'll see Christ. They'll see Him. And so God brought me to a place in my personal life. He said, even if your wife and everybody else believes that, He said, can you be okay right there? That me and you, Jared, are the only two that know the truth. And one day you'll stand before me in that. I said, God, I don't like it, but I have to be. So I began to think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I thought about the establishment of God in the middle of the fiery furnace. They didn't have to go through there, but they did for the glory of God. In order for there to be a greater glory on the other side of the fire, can I tell you they had to go through the fire. Because it was there and only there would Jesus be revealed to Nebuchadnezzar and everybody that was against him. And so you may not understand why you're in the middle of the fire that you are right now. It's because Jesus is using your life and your faith in the middle of the fire to reveal that Jesus is the fourth man still in the middle of your suffering with you. Daniel didn't have to go through the lines then, but Daniel said this. He said, I was already established in my prayer time with God before you wrote a decree and said that I couldn't pray. He said, so this is who I am before then, and this is who I'm going to be now. So if you want to put lions and feed them and throw me in there, then do what you gotta do. But let me tell you, some things have to be established on this earth. Amen. And who is God gonna use to do that? He's gonna use the church to do that. Let me tell somebody here this morning, not only will God establish, but he will also strengthen. Even in the middle of the fires of life, the fourth man will get in there with you. Can I tell you the angel of the Lord will get in the lines then with you. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what they try to make us do. you see See, the world has tried to cause the church to shut the doors. All it did was reveal the true condition of who the church already was. We've already started shutting the doors Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and so when the government said close the house of God we easily walked away but it's time that somebody would stand up in the last hour for the glory of God and said devil and you tell the government I'm not in rebellion. I'm just in the will of God for my life and come hell or I water I'm going to walk with God because on the other side, there is a greater glory for the church. Hallelujah. There is a greater glory for the church to strengthen, to establish a thing, to have spiritual knowledge and power, to make to stand, to set in order or in balance. Can I tell you, the church needs some balance in our life. We're so wishy-washy, we can't make up our mind what we want. I want Jesus one day and I want the world the next. Can I tell you, suffering produces balance in our life. That iron in your soul will produce some balance. I can't really waver as much. No, I got iron in my soul now. I'm going to walk with God. I tell you, to get iron in your soul hurts so Hurts. you got to go through some spiritual surgery. But I can tell you, people will know there's iron in that soul. I don't know how God always does it, but sometimes it just feels like he just takes a piece of iron and a hammer. He just drives it into us. Can I tell you, that's what seasons of suffering does. You'll be able to walk right though when God gets done. God, give us iron in our soul. Brother Russell, are you playing? The last thing I'll share with you, you're probably ready for this anyway to be done. The fourth thing is he'll settle you. He'll settle you. The word settle means to lay the foundation, to have a good groundwork, and to begin again. <laughs> Some of you are ready to start over. You said this season of suffering's about got the best of me. <laughs> House burns. <laughs> what else? <laughs> Daughter sick? You ever been in a place where you can where you've asked God, what else can go wrong? Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Because <laughs> a lot more can. And I sit back and look at what some people in this church are going through and I'm like, how do they do that? I would love to just take the pain away when I sat there and just watched Connie's house burn with her and her family. I think about my life and I think, man, I grumble and complain about so much. But here's somebody that's full of joy watching their house burn. She called me on the phone, 1-15 that night. Pastor, just pray for us. My house is burning. She said this to me. Her next words were, please tell me something good's going to come out of this. How about that? Please tell me something good's going to come out of this when everything in her house is burning to the ground. And her and her kids are in their truck in the freezing cold watching it burn. Please tell me something good's going to come out of this. It's the glory of God in the middle of suffering. I saw one thing, good. Your husband testifying. Amen. That would have never opened his mouth. Please just tell me. You know, what if we have that faith in the middle of whatever it is that you're facing right now? Maybe it's heartache. Maybe it's death. Maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's lost loved ones. God, please just show me. Tell me there's something. Bankruptcy, finances, it can be anything. Can I tell you, God gets glory through all of those things. Sister Ashley, what you're facing right now, God's putting iron in your soul. It makes no sense to me. I look at you and I'm like, my God. I don't understand. I don't. I've told her I said I don't I don't even know what to say she said nobody does nobody does Jesus does Jesus does sister tomorrow God knows He's there for you in the season of suffering you're in I can't imagine what you feel lonely isolated I'm sure in your mind but God after, after, The season of suffering, loss, after. God knows. Church, I'm just ready for the after. But let me tell you, we can't just wait for the after. Even in the middle of, the fourth man was in the fire. In the middle of the lion's den, the fourth man was there. The angel of the Lord was there. Listen to this. I'll close with this. Can I tell you that Jesus wants to settle us? Matthew chapter 16, Jesus spoke to Peter and he said what? Upon this rock. What did he say I'll do? I'll build my church. Now don't we know, now in that moment, Peter was probably, Jesus is going to build this church. Use me to do it. See, a lot of us think because Jesus speaks something to us, we're ready for it right then. (laughs) Come on, somebody. And we run with it. But Jesus knew what was in Peter, but Peter didn't. So Jesus had to show him. Now, Jesus meant what he said. Peter, I'm going to use you on the day of Pentecost. Now, Peter didn't know that. I said this in the early service. Could you imagine at the point of salvation, if Jesus showed you every ounce of suffering that you were going to walk through, would you say yes and sign on the dotted line? If you knew every trial that you would face, Brother Donnell, would you say yes? None of us would. If we knew the call of God 18 years ago that I'd be a pastor one day and what that would entail, would I sign on the dotted line? No way. None of us would sign up for this. And so God loves us enough that he sees all the way down there already. He said, but you can't. I just need you to be faithful with where you are right now. Because I see the greater glory. I know where the other side of your suffering is, but you don't. I just need to know that I can trust you in the middle of it. God wants to know this morning if he can trust you in the middle of where he has you right now. You know what? You could leave this service today and everything could break open for the good. Or you can be in a good place right now and enjoying the glory of God. You can get in your car and one phone call and you can be right in the middle of a season of suffering. Don't judge somebody based on the season they're in right now. Because it could be you next. It could be us next. And so Jesus meant what he said to Peter. He meant that. But he knew that his character and his foundation wasn't right. And so Peter exposed that. John 21, Peter went back fishing. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Took 11 disciples with him. Caught nothing. Good job, smart guy. You didn't catch anything. Isn't that what we do? Come up empty handed when we take life back in our own hands. But Jesus shows up. Jesus wasn't really concerned about fish. Jesus was concerned about Peter. And settling Peter's mind and his heart. He said, I have to settle him. I have to lay a foundation. So here's what he said in verse 15 of John 21. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. Now, check this out. And he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. Many of us get mad at Jesus right there and we walk away. Jesus, you know I love you. Why do you keep asking me? The greatest breakthrough in Peter's life was about to take place. The greatest breakthrough. It wasn't in the first time or the second time. Jesus said, I'm about to establish my new covenant with you, Peter. You see, Peter, every time that you denied me the three times, if, if Jesus would have only established two times with Peter, there still would have been one curse that the devil could have came at Because every time that he denied Jesus, he was speaking a curse over his life. Power of life and death is in the tongue. And he was cursing himself, and he was speaking lies over his life. He was speaking a curse over his life. And so Jesus said, I have to reverse the curse. Because there's a curse over him. And I have to reverse that curse. So Peter, if you get mad at me and walk away now, then you're still going to be accursed. But Jesus was about to break the curse and establish covenant with him. Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And so that's what Peter did. He fed the sheep. But Jesus broke everything and he established and he laid a foundation in that moment. And now what Jesus spoke in Matthew 16, upon this rock I'll build my church. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says Peter stood up. He rebuked them men because they were speaking in other tongues and he said, this is that. And whenever he preached the gospel, 3,000 people were saved that day. Let me tell you, Jesus wants to renew your life today. Whatever you've been facing and whatever you've been walking through, whatever fight, whatever torment, whatever fire, whatever trial, whatever tribulation, whatever lies the devil has told you, Jesus wants you to know you can walk through to the other side today. And after those things, the glory of God is going to come. Why? Because he's the God of all grace. He's fighting for you today. Would you stand with me this morning?